Hey, all you lovely people. Good afternoon here on the East Coast. Uh, This is episode, I think it's 97. I think it's 97. And on the show today, on the podcast, I have Maya DeVitri. I have been looking forward to having Maya on the podcast for a while now. I've had a lot of people asking about Maya and um, if she could be on and if we could have a conversation well before the pandemic. And it just kind of so happened uh, to work out. Maya joined me via Zoom, and it was really, really awesome to have a nice conversation with her. We got into a lot of things, including her brand new album, Violet Light, that you can get everywhere right now. Um, it's it's wonderful. Another thing about Maya is that she was formerly in The Stray Birds, which was is one of my favorite groups. Their record, Let It Pass, just kind of plays over and over and over again in my car at different times. So I go through phases, and when I was first introduced to it, I just could not stop listening to it. So I really enjoy that. I really enjoy talking with Maya. You can listen to her music on Spotify. You can download it on Apple Music, You all that stuff. And you can check out all our tour dates, which are coming up this month. Well, in May. May is coming up. But uh, especially for the Massachusetts people, she's going to be in Boston on the 22nd, which is her birthday, which we'll tell you later on. So go support Maya, check out her tour dates, and you can get that all at mayadevitri.com. But without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Maya DeVitri. It's not a trick of the eye. She said goodnight. There was no I assume, depending on when you started doing this album, that that was probably not the game plan in the beginning. The the game plan sort of uh, evolved. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It, um, the game plan was just uh, actually at first was very small vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just basically for me to play songs like at the kitchen table and like throw a microphone up and just like very kind of insular stripped down organic kind of thing. Yeah. And like um, it evolved like as Ethan put this space together in our basement and, you know, started making sound panels and um, we kind of like, I'm, I, you know, I, I really was fired up about writing songs and, and continuing to create in that way. And he really went to town just like creating a space to do it at another level that I hadn't really realized we could do like in our house. Mm. So the fact that he made a space in the house where we could record better than just, I mean, not, not like that it's not good to just play songs at the table, but it made it possible that we could um, like layer a recording and like make a space where we could actually like record drums and record other instruments. Um, 
you know, we, we initially like borrowed some gear from people and then he started to, you know, get on Craigslist and find, oh, this used microphone. I'm going to go meet this guy down at the Barnes and Noble parking lot and get this <laughs> microphone. And, you know, it was like bit by bit. And and so the the vision kind of by the time we really started tracking my everything sort of started with my vocals and guitar or my vocals and banjo for the whole record. And by the time that we actually went in and, and laid all that down, we knew we were going to make something bigger. Yeah. And, and so like, I knew that when I was singing these songs that I, I was trying to just like, you know, close my eyes and imagine that there was going to be all these textures and, and interweaving sounds like around me, but I just had to, I, I couldn't like feed off of, the energy of musicians playing with me, I had to just like, you know, just kind of be like, okay, as if they were with me now, they're going to be with me in the future. Like they're going to be, uh, this is going to be, it's kind of like slow motion or something that the yeah. process was like very slow motion. Um, but it was, yeah. We, and we, we really, we realized we could really take our time um, because they're just, they just didn't seem for the first time, you know, since I've started making music, it felt like there was at least like making making music, you know, at, at like recording it and releasing music. It felt like there was like, I don't know, like there was no sense of time. Like we could mm. just there was no rush because I mean, even now I still I'm not going on the road until May because that's like the earliest I could uh, that I could like emotionally handle putting a tour together and just crossing my fingers. I, I didn't even feel that confident in, in putting a tour together before, before this coming May. And so, and we still don't know, you know, it's like, have to make sure that you prepare yourself to like, you know, to lose all the dates and book it all over again. And I just yeah. wasn't, I wasn't ready to go through that bef before now. Like now I'm really crossing my fingers that it happens, but if, if I, lose I think date, it will, you know, I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it will, and and that's that's really really tough. Like, you know, we we went we went through it, and I, I don't know if you know my background at all, but I I'm friends with Oliver. Um, he I, I play in in Carbon Leaf, and uh, cool. Yeah, so um, when he was playing with Freddie and Francine, I got friendly with him, and uh, he actually introduced me to your your stuff and your music and everything, and how great it was. Um, and yeah, it, it's really tough to to have gone through like the booking and the rebooking, and you know if you, you put that stuff together, it's just it takes so much out of you once you've put all that that effort into putting it together, and then it just gets like, all right, well, I guess this isn't gonna happen again, and you never know when it's gonna happen, and after so many, after such a long time, it's just like it really takes it out of you. So I I applaud you for holding off and and waiting until until like you know i think may's pretty safe for sure i think you should be able to get out there yeah it is just like a i don't know self-protective measure yeah. really yeah. just because yeah. i it's just so many moving parts to you know put bring other musicians into the picture and and try to try to know how to how to do it responsibly and uh uh yeah i don't know that's a really cool story about the record and how how it turned into that thing. Like, did you have? Were you able to visualize how you thought it would sound at the end of it uh, when you were performing those kind of basic tracks? 
Yeah, I mean, in some of the songs, yes, mm-hmm. because I because we we really like picked the all the guests who are on this. Like, we really know their. We really know their. Ethan and I co-produced the record, and we really know their playing really well. You know, like we really just were listening for their their strengths and what they you know as musicians in in their voices you know like listening mm-hmm. to to uh finding recordings of them or going on youtube and like kind of reawakening our memory of of these of all these musicians like in mus- different musical contexts and kind of what their musical voices were and you know listening to the specific vocal range of certain harmony singers like yeah okay so they're probably going to be singing below me for this part i mean like we just had all this time to like yeah like do this kind of like research where normally you would just be in the studio with somebody and you'd be like can you try to sing like above me here like how does that that sound let's let's try this but but you know we felt it felt like so special and fortunate that we could get you know say for example like kaya cater who sings the this beautiful like rich low harmony on the song leftover tears and i really wanted you know like we we just like listened to enough recordings of her and we and i've like met her the stray birds used to cross paths with with kaya at festivals and stuff and i'm familiar with her music and and i'm a huge fan of her music and i love her voice but just wanted to you know before we like reached out and kind of were dreaming about something like made sure it was kind of physically possible for people sometimes like wow does her voice go as low as we are imagining that it can (laughs) (laughs) that's that's so much fun and i imagine that the the good thing about the pandemic was that that you could uh i guess the possibilities were pretty limitless as far as who who you know you could ask people if they had a home recording set up you could you could basically get you know whoever to to sing on it which was which is awesome without having the limitation of bringing them to nashville yeah yeah and i think it really opened up some creative ideas because of that you know like we had uh thor davidson who's a he's a harmonica player and he lives in iceland and we had him record from like very far away like i don't think we would have necessarily had thought to have him on on a recording or um tristan claridge plays cello he he tracked it from a spot where he lives in like very rural northern california and you know he very rarely would be passing through nashville and able to play on something in person so it that that kind of thing was really was really rewarding to to kind of think outside the box and and think of how we could sort of unify unify the songs but really kind of cast a very wide net for who we were including yeah i am uh i'm fascinated by um i'm very fascinated by how where people like kind of came from and and how they got the sound that that they do like you have a very interesting um interesting uh voice and style in which you play and and how you sing like your range is like really very like you know you can go low, you can go really, really high and it's very sweet and then you get, get gritty and, and it's, um, it's interesting. I, I'm wondering, uh, where, where your musical kind of sensibilities came from. If you had a, a family that, uh, that played music that you grew up with. Um, yeah. Um, uh, my, my parents both are musical and, 
um, my I took piano lessons from my grandma when I was growing up and that was like my first my first kind of more formal music lessons was piano lessons with her and one thing that was really valuable about learning with her was she didn't read music very well and mm. she mo- she mostly like she really <laughs> encouraged me to but you could tell that like her love of piano was that she could make things up like she could write yeah. she was a composer like she she made up she made up pieces on the piano and and she really had an incredible ear and could like learn things through listening and so i i learned pretty early on a combination of that and then also like my dad doesn't read music but plays a bunch of instruments so like i it was this combination of like playing in the school orchestra and learning like the value of you know okay there's notes on the page that's cool that you know somebody wrote them down and now you can learn them and play them but but i was super immersed in like playing like like the the listening part of music knowing that it's possible to do it that way yeah and Mm -hmm. and like i actually i sang uh, sang like a little bit i mean i loved i loved like music class in elementary school i loved singing like the weird songs that we did in music (laughs) class and uh but then i i had you know i think everybody has these kind of weird moments when they are I've talked to like a lot of people who've had these moments in music, like early music when they're growing up or they're, you know, middle school or high school and somebody like, you know, like at one point in time, like a friend of mine, you know, said like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't sing like your voice is weird, you know, like, and and, like things like that, that really like affect, affect you when you're like musical bullying. Yeah. Like musical bullying. I think it happens a lot. It does happen a lot for sure. And I'm ashamed to like remember how much that impacted me, but it mm. did. And I, I didn't sing very much, like at all in mm. for like my all like a lot of this like big stretch of time, uh, and not in not only because of that, but just because I really felt like well, I think I guess what my musical offering is is like more of like a fiddle player. And I really took violin seriously. And the violin has this like huge range as an instrument. It can go high, it can go low. And yeah. but as you know, I wasn't singing in like middle school or high school chorus. I never like I don't even know what my vocal part is or what my vocal range is. I've never like other than doing ear training classes right. like in in music school of like okay these are these are the notes and you need to you know do re mi like all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I just I don't really. I haven't ever really connected my voice to like written music. So I don't, so I don't really feel, and I don't write my songs out. Like, um, I don't write notes out like, 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 uh, musical notation for my songs. I, Oh, I just make voice memos on my phone or, you know, record it in my computer. That's the only way I'd like, you know, for, for some of these songs on, on violet light so that people, had a reference you know if they were going to come in and you know play keyboards over a song um ethan would write out my like make a chart for my songs and like kind of like write out musical notation for them and i was like oh wow that's what it looks like that's what it looks like but (laughs) but i just i think i that's one i think that's part of where it comes uh, part of where my voice comes from is like a is a little bit of um i guess not not thinking that there's any boundary like Mm -hmm. not thinking like well my voice part is this and so 
I should do it this way or it should sound this way or um, my role in music is to be in this vocal range or something because I don't really know. What do you is. find do you find <laughs> <laughs> do you find yourself writing in any particular key more often than others like have is is you know is there is there a place where it's more comfortable for you to sing? I feel like I sing in the key of C a lot mm-hmm. like when I'm when I'm just like sitting around singing songs yeah. um, I often often like gravitate towards the key of C and it's pretty comfortable for a lot of the melodies I sing, but but then I end up moving it around because that's just sort of like my campfire voice key or like yeah. sitting on the couch singing key. And then like my songs end up being kind of all over the place for the keys for when I'm actually recording them or performing them. That's just, but C <clears> is <throat> like, I feel like, yeah, I got it. Basically, I have to be careful to not just sing everything in C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's like me and singing and like, g or something you know yeah it's, like, it's just every everything is right there and um yeah, yeah totally that's, that's that's funny uh it, it that and that was a interesting point you mentioned about you know the musical bullying is like i imagine there's so many so many kids out there uh ta- like potentially talented kids that have had their parents or something inadvertently or other people inadvertently discourage them from being in choir or playing an instrument or something like that like you know just just the quick little like can you quiet that down or you know something like that just inadvertently completely shattering (laughs) a uh a a potential love of music and and maybe even a a career down the road or something like that you know I've, i've definitely had moments um where somebody in high school or something would would say what you're like stop what you're doing you know because kids are mean you know um yeah so yeah i and i i think it's it's like ultimately i feel like it's you know like i that was how i like i chose to respond to that by shutting down because that was like i think a lot of people would defense mechanism that i like knew of at the time yeah but um you know, I've like I've taught music at some music camps in the past couple of years, and that kind of stuff has come up for people where they're oh, like, sure. actually, like I got to like they'll be trying something and they'll just start crying because they're like, I like this is bringing up something from when I was 15, and like my older brother said this about my rhythm, or something. Oh. You know, like <laughs> like really <laughs> like stuff that is like like super these like super wounds and <laughs> and it's which yeah. is. So it's so tough because music is like it's such a like a precious part of like our expression and and I think we're all musical and like as I think back to when we're children and we're just like la 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 yeah la. <laughs> I see it in my son right right now it's it's so funny it's like I have a he's almost two and um, my son's name is actually Ethan it's fu- and it's funny because I I hear you say Ethan from your producer uh-huh. and stuff and I'm like whenever you say it, I'm like oh it's my son's name it's kind of yeah, it's, a, it's this <laughs> it's this weird like I don't know it's this weird thing to hear yeah. it from someone else um and uh every time there's there's music on I'll be playing the guitar and, and my drums are set up and he'll go over, he'll play, or I'll play a beat or something. He'll have his headphones, and he'll just start dancing. He just like feels it, yeah. And, and it's like this nat, this the most natural, 
thing. It's just the moves. It's so mm-hmm. funny. It's so, mm-hmm. so funny and, and fantastic. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it mm-hmm. whenever he starts dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like, how do we, how do we like, what's the line between like, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Just how do you hold on to that? Hold on to that and, and not, um, yeah, just it's, it, it's, it's so fragile. It's so it, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know what, what it is. I remember going to, I have, I have a story like this. I went to, when I was in elementary school, I started off by playing the trumpet and the drums. And then I really wanted to learn how to play violin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, you know, we had a violin from my sister and mm. I, and I brought it into school and I got like mercilessly made fun of by my friends. And I went to the one, the one class or the one lesson. And I, I told my parents, I don't want to do this anymore. I never went back and I never touched it again Hmm. until, until college. Actually, I took a, I took a class and learned the very basics of it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it was this like perception that, you know, it's not cool to do. Um, but I, you know, that stuck with me. It definitely made me not want to do it for such a mm. long time. So it's, it's, it's definitely a power, like words are very powerful when it comes to being uh, an impressionable kid and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I luckily, like I was, I, I think it's like music has always been such a refuge too, mm-hmm. and such. So it was like, it never, it never was like taken away from me or anything like it was always <coughs> yeah. it's always there and um but yeah we just start telling ourselves certain stories about like our limitations and then uh, yeah or like you know you're goes not for anything like, you're not supposed to play that instrument that but instruments for something mm-hmm. it's, it's a stupid it's a stupid limitation that we put on ourselves yeah as far as like americana and folk music was that always in your home was that uh, important to you at a young age age or is that something that you found later on i'd say like like bluegrass and old time music and mm-hmm. like some uh you know songwriters like uh like like outlaw country kind of like steve earl like those kinds of songwriters my dad was learning steve earl songs and but he was also sitting around with like a book of beatles songs and and singing mm-hmm. those and um people were singing harmonies and playing bluegrass songs at the campfire mm-hmm. and and so a lot of the yeah just kind of like communal string band music was around at my house and then like my family would go to music festivals sometimes in the summer and just you know camp out and and jam so it was it was definitely like around and i didn't i guess i didn't realize how much i what like loved it and was curious about it until like there was this summer music series in Lancaster called the Longs Park concerts and it's just a big amphitheater at a park and every Sunday in the summer there would be a band that played and that's Hmm. like the first it was it was a free thing and like everybody came like just didn't matter what the music was it was just a thing to do like Lancaster wasn't like a super like it wasn't like there was like a super lot of things like that going on so it was Mm -hmm. like a big it was a big deal to have this music come through every sunday and we would go and mostly i would just be playing ultimate frisbee like over on the (laughs) side with my friends but sometimes i would be like really into the music and 
like I got to see um, the Sam Bush band, I remember, and Crooked Still, like the very original version of Crooked Still, like the trio. Okay. Um, with Aoife O'Donovan and Rashad Eggleston and Greg List. And I remember seeing Nickel Creek there. Oh, yeah. And um, I like, I wasn't really sure. Like, I knew I could tell that, like, what they were doing was, like, kind of at a different level, kind of mm. at a different, like, it was pr- this, like, precision and, and, like, the show and all of it was, it was, like, a little different than what we did playing music around the campfire, but it felt like in the same world. And it's like, wow, how come they get to do that? Like every night and just travel around and do that. Like, what are they, how did they get to play at Long's park? What, Mm. what is, what is this life? What is this world? (laughs) Yeah. And, and like, you know, over the years started to kind of connect the dots and, and, you know, especially with like stuff I started doing with the stray birds, like in 2010, 2011, 2012, when we Mm -hmm. started like, putting the dots together that there was like a whole circuit of of rootsy bluegrassy americana type i don't even know if the word americana was like a thing back in 2012 but no probably um, not actually now that i'm thinking of it really um, like i think just just like the music that's in the 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 family tree of the broader family tree of like country music um but um it's it is that's just you know, there there were festivals where people gathered to hang out and do this, and um, and it was cool that like this thing that had been really important as a social fun activity in my childhood was like it's like wow people have a life doing this, mm. and yeah I mean singers like uh, like Iris Dement was really important to me like I didn't I wouldn't have said it at the time I didn't know like what it meant to say this singer is really important to me it was just that she was like a soundtrack in in my family like iris dement and gillian welsh and emmylou harris like these these voices and their cds and their liner notes i mean i remember like the first time i knew who john prine was and kind of like put his name in my brain was reading the liner notes to an iris dement album where he was writing about like something about like comparing like frying bacon to like and there's like tears falling down his face but is it from iris dement's songs or is it the bacon juice in his like <laughs> grease in his eye or i don't know i don't know what this i'm probably confusing all the details in my memory it's up for interpretation but, sure <laughs> but i was i don't know like kind of those those little connections like we're starting to build this like web this musical web of of people in my head and 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 voices and um like yeah just like they were important to me because i just their songs were like inseparable from my from our days like what like we would just there were four kids in my family there's a lot of errands to do we spend a lot right. of time driving driving around like you know in the station wagon or the van and and i remember like that was just uh, on a road trip or something like we were listening to like revival like it's just what Welsh you do album yeah and and everybody's just kind of like looking out the window like chilling out chilling out to the music <laughs> that's awesome that's a great visual too just like you know driving around doing errands in the countryside listening to that music um, yeah it was yeah. definitely countryside like you know i remember my bus ride to school it was just like i, I was so beautiful like just like dew like wet dew oh, yeah over fields 
just like mm. open fields, like cornfields, and then just like hay and grass and soybeans, just like wet dew over you the You can fields. just smell it, you know, just, and, like, just thinking about mist, it. Mist rising up like over these like winding like country creeks. Mm. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, part of the country. Nice. When did you start? So, you know, you, you were seeing this music, listening to it. And, um, when did you start putting those pieces together where it was just, you know, you were learning how to play, uh, to actually going and wanting to gig and, and perform your songs or covers, whatever you, you were doing at the time. Uh, how quickly was that like a high school, college kind of thing? Or is that later? Yeah, it was like right after high school, I went down to the Swannanoa gathering in North Carolina. It's like a, like a fiddle camp there. Um, I went down there, it was like July 2008, and I met some people, met some some other like young people, you know, 18, 19 year olds, like also kind of into this music. My friend like Jack Devereaux and Duncan Wickle and Bronwyn Keith Hines and Hannah Sang and, you know, these people who have continued to, to make music and art in, in all kinds of ways since then. But, but they were kind of the first people that I met in this kind of um kind of the opposite of musical bullying they were like they were like you know i remember jack was like wow like you you gotta you gotta sing harmonies like you gotta sing with hannah you gotta meet my friend hannah like you i love your voice i want i want like you guys gotta meet like she she writes songs on the banjo and then hannah was like oh i can teach you the banjo and yeah like by the end of the fiddle camp week we were like skipping classes at the fiddle camp and going to record in jack's friend's basement and like record as a little band in in this you know basement studio there and it's amazing what can happen when you surround your when you're surrounded by positive like-minded encouraging people it's like anything can happen it's so it's so uh yeah it's like supercharging it's yeah um and i started writing songs like you know the next day <laughs> oh, basically that's, awesome. that's so um, cool like it was uh like i i wasn't like super super dedicated yet to it i wasn't like obsessive about mm-hmm. it but something had like a, a, something had flipped in my brain and a connection was made and i felt like this was something i could do and um it was like a way and i and that i could sing too and it was like well if i can sing if i if i do feel like i have a like there's a place for me to sing then i think i can also it was like why am i going to write songs if i don't want to sing them i didn't quite understand right. i didn't know i didn't really know that there that you could just be a songwriter and write songs for other people like i didn't know anything about the music industry or mm-hmm. like that these different roles you know i didn't know what a producer was or what a songwriter was or i just figured if you like if you were gonna write a song you had to sing it (laughs) and i was like if i didn't want to sing why would i write a song (laughs) so um it it makes it makes perfect sense yeah (laughs) it started to come together and um and then i also like i remember i was busking a lot playing fiddle playing on the street playing at farmers markets um traveling around i remember singing like you know like folk songs and bluegrass songs for people and and just you know it was like connecting with people in that way and i remember listening to towns van zant too that was like another little like key turned in my brain Mm -hmm. for some reason like listening to to that like the poetry and his um and his writing and 
I guess some of the, probably some of the, like, kind of darkness that I felt <clears throat> at the time, like, about, um, you know, how to, like, this, this, like, desire to express myself through music and also this kind of fear to express myself through music. I just, I really connected with, with what, what, what with what he was singing about and, and it just unlocked some more, you know, it was just like little unlock this, unlock this, unlock yeah. this. And, but all that kind of happened within, you know, the period of like, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. And then, um, I, I was really motivated then to, you know, to play, I really wanted to play gigs and, and write songs. I was like writing songs like obsessively all the time. And I, uh, eventually I, uh, you know, like when I did, when I did start really gigging, it really was then with the Stray Birds because that was, you know, I met Oliver. He was seven, five years older than me, I guess at the time. Yeah. Five years older than me and like had been moving around in, in the music scene yeah. for a while. And he had a lot of, you know, a lot of like it, he was he kind of knew that it was he kind of saw how it was possible to do this from town yeah. to town from, from he was further along he was, he was he had been experiencing it yeah totally totally mm -hmm. he had been experiencing it and um and so you know the but that sort of this the stray birds became a very very like focused project like really quickly and um you know for another for whatever reason you know at the time it was like we only do this now and like mm -hmm. maya you aren't like no solo gigs no playing under your own name we do the stray birds now and which i think you know years later i'm i'm sh you know i don't i don't know that i think that could have been like another one of those moments where it was like it was like a form of musical bullying but um i didn't know it at the time and right I don't know that he knew it at the time and and no. I think we you know we just we did what we did and uh so I basically you know I think a lot of people kind of saw the stray birds as like the you know that like when when the stray birds was I don't know that, that it it was an interesting chapter because it was like yeah like I I had started playing a little bit under my own name and playing as a solo artist and as a songwriter before the band but mm -hmm. it wasn't i it was so much there was so much more like energy and fire to do it whenever i was with oliver and charlie like because yeah. it was com it was comforting to be on stage with other people and to to do that all together and so you know I, it didn't it was it was really I was really conflicted um, at the time, and I didn't, un you know. Now looking back, I can kind of see a little better, like how right. I made how I made certain decisions and and how how some of it, just like the diff, you know, the 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 contradictions of it and the 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 black and the white and the darkness and the light of of feeling and sort of empowered and bullied at the same time in mm -hmm. way. Just the, the complicated nature of that and and the power dynamics of you know the difference of of being 20 versus 25 and and all the all these all these things and then like the weight that people sort of put on those decisions when you're really young and then a band goes separate ways and it's like 
what are you guys thinking? It's like, well, what were we thinking when we, like, we didn't necessarily plan to do that for the rest of our lives. Like this yeah. was, this was something for the moment. And, and we did it's the hard. best we could. We did the best we could. We yeah. really did. Like it's hard being in, in a group and especially, and I, I think one point that you, one thing that you brought up that was very interesting to me is that, you know, you started, you started off by doing your own, your own music and wanting to write and, and do it on, do it on your own and then you joined up with this fantastic group and i will say like i love the i love the stray bird stuff it's great and when i've listened to let it pass first time um uh i wore you know I, if you can wear out a an mp3 <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I listened to it a lot and yeah. uh and it was fantastic but being in a being in a group like that is is at, at such a young age when you have other people that want it to be everything and every everything that you do is the most important thing in the world and maybe if if you have those feelings of wanting to be of wanting to be your own artist and you you put those decisions and those feelings on hold essentially mm-hmm. and um you know who not every band lasts forever and i i hope uh, and i i'm sure that you learned quite a bit from that experience and, and playing with them and, and, uh, and everything. But yeah, I think it's cool to look at that group, you know, um, from your perspective as like a moment and a learning moment and a thing that happened. And now we, we, we go do our own thing, you know, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I'm really grateful for everything we learned in that group. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that everybody's still playing music in in one way or another. And, you know, because I think that people can, it can be so, it's so demanding to be in a band. And especially when you put, you know, when it's three people all putting pressure on each other and on the group and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the people around you then, and it can be so demanding that people just, you know, the band's over and people, don't even want to pick up music anymore but i think the the fact that um like like i feel like that is yeah there's it's it was definitely like a it was definitely it's yeah it's not a it's never an easy thing to like it's much easier to begin something than to end something, you know, kind of always. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, um, yeah, just I've, I've got a lot of empathy um, and compassion for a lot of people that I've seen, you know, who begin something like that in, in their early 20s or, you know, as teenagers. And then, like, so many things evolve. And I, the thing about the Stray Birds, too, is, like, we it was really important to us that it was the three of us that it wasn't going to be like a band that continued with like new members coming in and out or something yeah. and let it, let it pass. I think really is like a statement of that. Like we co-wrote the whole thing, three way co-writes from top to bottom. And I'm really proud that we did that. I'm really proud of that. And I think it like, I, I think that it was like a, a way, it was like a gift we could give to each other to, to make that recording together and kind of be like, this is like the top of the mountain of like what we can do creatively together. And, yeah. and then like, hopefully like, um, be, yeah, like be able to kind of transition into whatever else that we each want to give as musicians and, and people. In the yeah. World. 
Yeah, the thing that struck me about that album was was the balance of it. Was was how balanced it was, as far as like who's singing what and who's singing when and the instrumentation, the higher energy stuff, the lower energy things on it. It all balanced itself out from start mm. to finish, mm. in my in my opinion. Um, and and that's that's why to me that that album is so listenable. And I need to go mm. back and listen to more. To, to listen to more of it that's just the one you know how it is when you you're mm-hmm. introduced to some to someone totally. or somebody you you lock into one thing and then you have to it's almost like you you cycle around to a different artist before you get back to it again um but I, yeah i just i remember being in my wife is from ireland and i remember being in the car driving around the dingle peninsula in mm-hmm. ireland listening to the stray birds <laughs> it's pretty cool that's um, so cool. Yeah. So now with with the stuff in potentially coming up in May, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um you said you mentioned that you're going to be going out with a with a band. Mhm. That's awesome. That's so cool that you're doing that. Are you going to try to do any smaller show things maybe around Nashville or private things um before then uh by on your own or do you have any plans like that? Yeah, I just, I've been enjoying playing at this little spot in Nashville called the Bowery Vault. It's like a vintage clothing oh, store. That? It's on uh, on Gallatin in East Nashville. Okay. And it's, um, yeah, I've just, I've been enjoying playing there because it's just like for tips and it's it's a listening room. It's very kind of like it feels like new york city or something like everybody okay. has has to buy a drink while yeah. they're there but it's like Two the musicians, minimum, please. yeah like but the musicians are playing for tips and it but it feels really um it's like busking in a listening room basically yeah. um it's which like is rockwood. nice they pat they pass around yeah. the bucket they pass exactly the bucket. yeah yeah it's kind of kind of feels like rockwood and yeah and that's kind of what i'm wanting to do like in the next couple of weeks um but really like i've I've, uh, you know, like there were times, there were times that on stage with the Stray Birds, we're like singing harmonies, you know, and, and, you know, the sound of a band being together, it's just thrilling to be a part of that and to be, to be a part of music, music making with other people. And one of the difficult things about transitioning to like focusing more on solo music is like, what does that mean? Does that so solo mean like alone? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Am I, am I now like enabled, like to be able to, because with the Stray Birds, it was like, you know, we all took the hit of what it meant to get in the car and cram in a car together and drive around and make no money for a couple years. Like, mm-hmm. but if you're hiring a band and like you want to treat them well, you can't wait for, you know, till you start making money at the door to pay your pay the people in the band. You got to pay them. They ha- like this right. is this is like you, you got to treat them well from the start. And so it's your that's family is your support, you know, and it's been like a really it's been tough to like figure figure that equation out and i you know i've done some touring like solo alone solo like mm-hmm. just me and the guitar and then i've kind of had a little bit of a panic about it like why is this not as fun as i remember music feeling at times like mm-hmm. i really miss harmonies and i really miss like the interactions with other people and yeah. and so i'm kind of trying to transition to like okay, when I, maybe, maybe I'll just tour less, you know, maybe I can, if I, if I'm going to go out on the road and I'm going to be able to afford it, I need to basically save money in advance and take, maybe only play for, you know, 10, I'm doing like 10 shows 
in um, in May and just, you know, save up, save up in order to take a band out on the road. And so that whatever, whatever happens, like it's, it's not, um, it's not impossible to do it because I would rather, I would rather take that, I guess, like take that risk and take that leap and, and play with other people and, and give, give myself that opportunity to play my music in that way then mm-hmm. I, you know, rather than just try to put like years and years in just driving around by myself in a car playing like, a, you know, some people, I guess, are really um, inspired and, and feel really can feel really present with that. But mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I was really I was hard on myself for a while. Just like, what is wrong with me? Why is this not fun? Like, why is this not fun for me? Do I just like I I like I like playing music more with other people. But I felt like there was something wrong with that. And now I'm like, okay, it's fine. Like, I like playing music with other people. And if that means that I, like, work a day job and just, like, play with a band at the bar every, like, every couple of weeks, that's cool. Like, yeah. if that, like, fills my soul with music and I also get to make recordings, that's cool. Um, but I really would love to be able to take musicians on the road. And, and sometimes even if I just take another musician out and do a do a duo or something... But I'm I'm going all out for May. I'm like I That's have, awesome. Um, I mean, just all out, as in like you know, me plus three other people in a minivan. Yeah, and, it's the best. And we're we're just gonna go for it. And you know, one so Dom Billet is the drummer. He's gonna he's gonna play, and and he toured with the Stray Birds, you know, in the past. So I I'm, I know what it's like to be on the road with him. He's just a super joy to be with, and. Um, and then Shelby Means, who's a bass player and great singer, great harmony singer, and then Joel Timmons, who plays plays electric and acoustic guitar and is another great singer. And Shelby and Joel play together in a duo called Sally and George. So oh, cool. they are like, their harmonies are like super dialed in and Tight. just really fun people. They know what it's like to be out there on the road. And I think it's going to be fun. I Where just, are you playing? And, we're, we're starting in South Carolina at the Albino Skunk Festival. Okay. And then we're going, basically just going north from there. We're going as far as Portland, Maine. Or I don't know if Portland, Maine is farther north than somewhere we're going. Maybe maybe Vermont. We're going to northern Vermont, too. So that might be the top of the... Okay. Are you going to Burlington? <laughs> uh, not quite, but, but like just below Burlington. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, playing in Pennsylvania a little bit. And uh, actually, Charlie Minch from the Stray Birds is going to going to jump on board and, and play bass on a couple shows great um around the philly area too so that'll be that'll be kind of fun to to get to play together again in this capacity and yeah i'm excited about it and will you be in massachusetts at all yes we're gonna play in uh in cambridge passim um, at club passim awesome very mm-hmm. cool i'll try to i'll try to catch that yeah uh, um yeah, that's that's a great place to play. I, I play with a singer songwriter there every now and then. We haven't played in since the beginning of the pandemic, but um, what a cool room! It's a great yeah. room. A lot of history. Very very cool. Yes, yes, it's it's great. I'm I'm just really excited about yeah. about it. I mean, the, what you're saying is like again makes perfect sense. It's like you know people listen to music and they have connections with the lyrics. Like you know they have everybody has their own interpretation and, and songs take on a life of, of their own within other people's lives. And as a musician, when you're up there, I don't blame you for, for not 
feeling it, you know, when mm. you're up there by yourself and playing. It's like, yeah, you're performing, but you also need your you need connection. You know, mm-hmm. when you're when you're up there, you need the eye contact. You need um, you just need those moments, those silly like little mistakes that you just laugh at each other yeah. and, and, and things things that happen that make that just make that night more special for you and for the people that come out to see you um yeah it's 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 yeah totally it's it's everything totally i want like i want to make it special like i want to make it a moment i want i want there to be like i want to feel like i'm yeah i want to feel like the energy and 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 fire and and um totally the little mistakes and the the quirks of of live music and just so so. the giggling you know the giggling in the van and all and on all the stuff it's it's perfect Mm -hmm. you know and and um i'm pretty sure i've i've talked about this on on this podcast before but uh yeah when i was playing with stephen kellogg um a thing that was very important for him and that i learned from him was was the special moments in a show um that make people make it worth the fact that people got babysitters and the fact that they they spent their their money maybe got one less gallon of gas to totally. uh, to come out um come out and 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 have a and have a special night because you know it's easy it's easy now uh to sit home and save and, and turn on netflix or whatever um, absolutely and you got to give people a reason to want to come out, you know, and, and, and have a special night that they'll potentially remember forever or even potentially save their life. You know, it's 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 Absolutely. not it's not too lofty to even think like that. So, yeah, Abs- I think it's cool. Ab- absolutely. And like I like since, you know, since um, the stray since the stray birds parted ways and I got all, I got out of the rhythm of like full time touring, like being on the road all the time, like. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've like worked other jobs in Nashville. I work at Starbucks. I'm like on my feet, like, you know, all day sometimes and, and like have a whole other understanding of like, wow, like what it's like to, you know, cause I, we used to complain very liberally in the van, in the Stray Birds about like sitting in the van all day. And then, you know, you get to the gig and you set up and then like, why aren't these people like, stand why don't they want to stand with us like why do they want to just like sit yeah <laughs> while we're playing and now i'm just like oh maybe I know they were why. on their feet all day <laughs> <laughs> like, like okay like they and and but it was there's like a certain out of touchness that i think is possible when you're only immersed in one field you know primarily in life for any field you know and then oh, yeah, you just yeah. are like why does it why do the why do people outside of my my field my line of work why do they do things this way and right. so and now i'm i'm like at least a little more in touch with like okay like yeah it is like like i am exhausted at the end of the day like i often will watch the live stream rather than go to the show yeah and you know like but when I do go to the show, like, what is it about it that's that what gets me out of the house to go to that show and what kind of music is it? And is it going is it going to be? Yeah. Like, what is the what is the magnet? And and then also as a musician, like, what is what is it that's going to 
get me through these six, seven hour a day drives? Like, what is it that's gonna, well, it's it's not gonna be standing on stage by myself mm-hmm. at the end of the night. It's gonna be getting out of the van with a bunch of people and being like, all right, guys, let's <laughs> do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm like the worst complainer about load in and load out. And I, and I told myself during the pandemic, it's like, right, when we get back, to playing shows i'm never gonna complain about it again and like the first show is like i fucking hate doing this oh that's so funny because i'm the opposite like i love load in and i love load out because it always felt like my one chance to exercise and so i would like i, I was do just agree like, with that i, I actually that. like i remember i remember like charlie minch and the stray birds he had this folding base and i was like can i learn how to fold your base like pack up your base so that i can like i'll be the tech at the end of the night i'll pack your stuff up (laughs) i'll load like i will load i would rather do that than go sell merch because i was just too emotionally exhausted to like talk to people and i was like i just i want to be the roadie like as soon as the show is over i am the roadie (laughs) oh i love that i love that i love that it's awesome i do get a kick out of like you know uh we have we have a the problem is we have so much stuff. It's crazy. It's like a yeah, it's yeah. like a, a big rock show, but we also have have um, like acoustic instruments. We have banjos. We have you know dobros, all, all kinds of stuff. Upright bass, and I do love you know carrying the upright bass in the case above my head and walking out into the trailer. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're really doing something. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> this is real work. Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, but I mean it's it's. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. There's, isn't there something about the you go into a room to see a show? Let's say a place like Club Passim, and yeah, you know, the lights are dimmed down, and you hear the clanking of glasses, and you hear the people, you know, taking sips of wine or whatever. It's like those that that stuff, like those those sounds and the noises and and the you know, it, that's what for me. It's like oh we're we're like really in a place right now it's it's interesting mm. you know we're we're doing something together we're all we're all experiencing this thing together and um and it, it you can't you can't replicate that you can't beat oh, that oh it's i think it's like a like more than ever i i think it's like a sacred thing like to we we turn our phones off and stick them in like stick them in our purses or our pockets and we are just like there yeah and it is like it is it is so like like but you're right though like it's it is so much it is so much to ask for that kind of attention Mm -hmm. like it feels it feels like yeah for people to have gotten a babysitter and paid for parking and walked 20 minutes or like whatever they did to get there and, th- and knowing that they're going to be maybe having to buy a drink or paying for food because they're going to get hungry in the course of a three hour gig or whatever. Like it's, it's a lot. And then on top of all that, just the attention like is that they are going to sit and give undivided attention to, for like two hours. It's like, to receive to be on the receiving end of that like i guess that yeah that also is is the in you know an influence of of why i feel why i feel like i want to be like rested enough to give enough and i want to be prepared enough and and like inspired enough to give enough i don't want to be up there and not be inspired because like i would definitely rather just be home watching netflix by myself like (laughs) you know rather than like get up on stage and not be inspired and have asked for 
have have to have all those people like trust me with with their evening you know maybe mm-hmm. their one friday night that they get to like have a babysitter of the month or something like yeah. it's a it's a trust and and i want to show up like i feel gosh like i really like i i did I did a bunch of like live streams, like Facebook live streams. It took me a while to kind of come out of my shell and be willing to do it during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to do that. It's so scary. <laughs> but I, I finally did it. And like the people just like, I just wanted to show up and like give every week and people were giving back to me and like sending mm-hmm. song requests and showing me like a, a Slade Cleave song that I'd never heard of that I just fell in love with. Like I wanted it to be, com- it's communication, you know, mm-hmm. like between, like I, lo- I really, really care about the people who are listening. Like not because I like necessarily like need their, like them to love everything I'm putting out there or like need the validation, but I, I really care about them because I feel like we're all we're all just people who love music and we want to be moved by music. And so the fact that anybody puts down their phone or turns off the TV and like opens themselves to music, I'm like, you are my people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanna, I wanna be like, let's get on the same wavelength. And I respect them because like, I, yeah, I just, I like respect the attention that they bring to, to art and to music it's a super noisy world out there so it really is like i just like really and and i yeah it was it was very rewarding to get to to share share songs even just if over facebook and i could kind of go out on a limb and be like like i wanted to learn new songs and take requests and and just give as much as i could because um i wanted to be i wanted it to be like worth turning worth getting on facebook for an hour to watch it well, it's fun to get them invo- in, involved. Like if, if someone like that community that you're essentially creating online is when they recommend a song or something and you play it, it's like, oh, my God, this, you know, Maya heard me and, and is playing this song and it's awesome. And, and that's, you know, you're creating a connection with your with your fans or friends or family or whatever. Totally. Um, whoever's listening. So which is super, super cool. It's totally awesome. yeah totally um where uh, if if someone was gonna get a uh a, a bluegrass old-time music starter kit to listen to to get into uh that world because it's i was introduced to it so so late much mm. later on like my dad listened to prog rock and we you know uh, and uh, and uh you know i started listening to the band the band is probably as far as i got um into that realm and then you know later listening to like woody guthrie and and stuff like that but like what who do you think are like the important the really important people um maybe that that could be off the beaten path a little bit which would be awesome for somebody to get into that maybe uh wasn't into that music before Sorry to put you on the spot. That's probably a, a lot. That's probably so many people. But. Yeah, so many people. I mean, somebody who I think of who I guess is kind of off the beaten path might be um, Raina Gellert. Okay. Um, she is a fiddle player, and she's also a singer and a songwriter. And I think her, I think just what she has to give musically is really 
really beautiful and really it's because I think that why it would be part of a starter kit for somebody is that it's in some ways it's like all the way it's like it's not yeah. like it's not like string music plus like drums and electric guitar or something like it's like yeah some of her stuff is just it's really stripped down it's like really really spare really raw and 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 just like fiddle tunes too like some that she's composed but others that she um yeah like I, th- I think that would be that would be off you know off the beaten path um nice I mean, like Gillian Welsh and David Rawlings are, I think, they're kind of like icons in the, in that in that world, and in just another example of like the blending of two voices, and two guitars, and mm. that 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 is like a full picture of, um, like the interaction of. I even think of like, you know, what what if Gillian Welsh had just like traveled around like by herself playing songs like i don't know maybe there was something that just really it really lit the fire under her ass when she got to play with david rawlings and like what they did together and this it's like the the world became 3d by or something but like the dimensions of playing with another person and i think that when especially in her music that um in a lot of things like almost everything else is taken away um or just was never there um Mm it's like there's so much there's space for for that um but she's a little more a little more you know much more known in in that mm-hmm. uh more of a household name in in that world so so yeah i'd say like Raina geller i mean uh there's some other great new great new acoustic music coming out like um Alison DeGroote is a great banjo player. Um, Tatiana Hargrave's a great fiddle player. Like another, I just think of like fiddle banjo music too, like as a, yeah. because that seems like such a, um, such a core to yeah. me of the spirit of, of that, of like old time music. So that would, but sometimes people, it feels inaccessible to people, I think, to get into fiddle music because they think it's like scratchy old recordings or something. And that's just like, you know, we got to remember that like what, like where fiddle and banjo music was coming from wasn't like conservatory trained musicians, you know, at the time. And it wasn't, you know, cutting edge recording technology so capturing people sitting it either. On the, front, on the front porch, you know, it's yeah. It's, I mean, these are people who are like farmers and laborers and using their hands all day and like not, uh, you know, and playing for playing for dances and for for community events and and like it. So I think that I I think just like opening up to the yeah, like it's such a far like in some ways like the you know like like our ears these days may be more depending on what we listen to you know we may be more attuned to like kind of more perfect music and like more yeah. like auto-tuned music i don't know in some ways music that makes us feel like it's higher fidelity i guess yeah 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 we, we can hear everything in it and or but like mm. even you know just watching like some of the Beatles get back documentary like they were recording in such a different way back then than we record now and and like even like the now people put are putting multiple microphones on a drum kit to capture different like elements of the sound and but for so long it was just like and there's a mic for the drums and like 
here's the lead vocal take right now, just sing it down with a band. And there's, you know, there used to not be any editing at all yeah. in, in some of this stuff. So I think that, that just diving into some of that as a listener, like if you really want to get into into music and like, I'm like, there are out of tune notes on oh, yeah. Violet Light even, you know, like we, my voice is not auto-tuned. <laughs> like right. there are, there are, but like they are, there are notes that are <clears throat> like, yeah, it's like there, it, it, it fell somewhere, but it, it's expressive. It's in between. It's not, it's like I'm human. Like, and I, that's how I sang it. And that's how my ear matched up with the slightly out of tune banjo or the slightly out of tune guitar at that moment too. And, and that's, so I guess in some ways, like I'm, I try to give the best performance I can with music, but I think that, you know, it would be, if I was like auto-tuning my vocals all over the place, it would like, it would kind of, uh, it would just put it in a different, different part of the spectrum of music. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean that, 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 that's like anything, like if you're writing, you know, uh, I've taken songwriter class, songwriting classes and, and books on lyric writing and read, read those. And it's like, a lot of it is about, um, you know, it, it always it always comes back to matching up the feeling of of the music to the vocal content to the lyrical content, and having called prosody, having having, um, you know, everything match up. And you can play with that. You can do like you know really sad music and have really happy lyrics and be super, you know, totally. have the, ju- the juxtaposition and all that stuff. And I think it I think it also. Uh, goes along with recording quality and the type of music you're listening to. So, like, I I don't know if I would necessarily want to hear a guy with overalls playing a banjo on the on the front porch in this like super pristine studio setting. You know, maybe it'd be amazing, but like, you want to see, you want to have the visual and also have have the audio represent that visual. Um, in the time period or whatever, whatever it is. So it's like, you know, that music I feel like is more akin or more appropriate for that lo-fi or, or, or whatever sound, um, Mm. you know, but also we, like you said, we've become so accustomed to this, like really shiny produced, like perfect sounding loud recordings that it's tough. It's tough to go back and listen to that. Just like it's tough for me to go listen to some like 80s synth sounds, you know, because they, they sound cheesy. <laughs> Which I like I'm currently obsessed with. <laughs> well, the thing, but, uh, the, the great thing about now is that they're taking their take. I like the way that they're making those sounds sound now. You know, do, uh-huh. does that make any sense? Like, yeah, it, it's like that the hi-fi version of the spectrum is really good for for that particular music in my like you know in my opinion so totally yeah it's what are you into now for for synths and stuff you're gonna put some synths on the on the next one well actually there's some synth on violet light it's pretty is there but yeah yeah it's pretty pretty light um and i am i am working on some other recordings right now and and i am playing a bit of synth on it but it's like nice. synth key you know keys and stuff like that you it's not um nothing yeah, take, like take the I mean, guitar I, on the road in in may that'd be awesome yeah, there's not like you know disco <laughs> right. disco disco drums or anything but like i'm like really 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 into like the some of the stuff that like dolly parton was doing and like okay. the 80s <laughs> like 
like it's really awesome. cool. Very That's cool. Definitely my like guilty pleasure nice. right now. Um, oh, another another great. I mean, I don't know what is a household name or what isn't, but like Mandolin Orange or Watch House. Oh um, yeah, for sure. I think that their music is super accessible to people who are want to get into like song acoustic song music. Yeah. Um, that that could be cool for people. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for doing it. And I really, I wanted to get into uh, your your lyrics and how you write them and the content of them, but I am actually out of time. I have to drive to Virginia right now. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks so much for for like all your questions and for taking time to listen to the music. And yeah, saying. it's awesome. I mean, I I've you know heard heard your music and and your voice and everything uh for a while now and and you've actually been been requested by many listeners of this podcast to have have you on so there's people out there that love your stuff and that are listening and that care deeply about your music so um thank you thank you so much again for doing it and you're uh, welcome it was a real pleasure you're welcome. Yeah, mine, mine too. I'm really glad this worked out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Maya Davidri. Please stick around for the music at the end of my spiel here. You can email the podcast at afterthegigpod at gmail.com. The merch store is afterthegigpod.com. And you can also visit the Patreon for exclusive content at patreon.com slash afterthegig. Enjoy the rest of your week and see you next time. For a little while longer now, it just might need to be like this. We're going anywhere, feels like walking in the wind It's hard to leave any story when it's over without dying to hear it again Oh, if only we could find the door to meet outside the past But I believe my heart when she promises
There's just no way